Splashdown. As you can see on your screen, we have visual confirmation for Splashdown. SpaceX copies and concurs. We see Splashdown and Mains cut. Dragon Endeavor has returned home. NASA astronauts and Bob Endeavor and Doug. On half of the SpaceX and NASA teams, welcome back to planet Earth and thanks for flying SpaceX. Thanks for flying SpaceX. <laughs> SpaceX and NASA's Launch America journey was a success. Bob and Doug are back on Earth. Let's welcome back to our show the senior advisor for SpaceX. It is Garrett Reisman. Garrett, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm doing great, Pete. I, I, I can't wipe the smile off my face. How about that splash landing? Everything seemed to be perfect. Yeah, you know, with, with the exception of a slight delay at the very end for some trace uh, amounts of propellant that were detected, uh, which really turned out to be absolutely nothing, uh, it was without a hitch. I mean, it was pretty much flawless. I, I really couldn't have asked for anything better. Uh, the Gulf of Mexico, when people could see the capsule, it seemed like the boat started inching over, and as soon as it splashed down, you had multiple boats in the area. Did that make you nervous at all? It, yeah, it, it made me nervous, and it was just, I don't know, I, I was i was kind of uh, a little bit angry at them, to be honest with you. It, it's really an irresponsible thing to do. Yep. Because should there be some kind of an emergency, uh, the, first of all, it's very dangerous, uh, potentially, for the people in the boats that were doing that. Should there be a leak of toxic propellants, uh, bad things can happen there, and they put themselves in danger. But, uh, but you know, even if you say, well, that's their own choice, the, the thing was that if we needed to do some kind of a rescue and rapidly get them out, some of those boats were directly in the way. Right. And it could have prevented us from saving the crew if, if there was an emergency. So it was just it was just stupid. Let me just put it that way. That was the thing that I thought, because anytime anything lands in water, you immediately think, OK, I hope there's not a leak. And then you see the boats. And I was thinking, what if they need to get rescued? Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, if, if, if one of those boats was in the way of one of our rescue boats, um, or in any way interfered, it, it, it could have uh, it could have been very costly. Now, fortunately, everything happened perfectly normally, and, and there wasn't an emergency. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, just in case. So I think uh, the SpaceX, NASA, and the Coast Guard have already uh, commented that they're going to do better next time. They understand this was a, a lapse. Uh, so hopefully we won't see that kind of thing again. Well, Garrett, walk me through the landing, because uh, they are descending back into the Earth's atmosphere, and temperatures are reaching, they say, 3,500 degrees. Can they feel it getting hotter in the cabin? Yeah, you know, 3,500 degrees is hot. And the great thing is, like, when you talk about numbers that are that big, uh, it doesn't really matter if you're talking Celsius or Fahrenheit. That's hot, right? So, <laughs> yes. uh, so you don't want to be yes. outside. And you can see outside the window. Um, in fact, if you saw the windows as the, as the dragon was brought onto the uh, recovery boat, you saw they were all covered basically with soot. Uh, and, and the charring that you see on the side of the, of the vehicle, that was a, a pristine white vehicle when it launched, came back looking like a toasted marshmallow. So yes, it, it's hot out there, but, but all the, the system, you know, all the thermal protection systems, uh, do a great job. And, you know, we'll find out for Baba Doug exactly how it was in dragon, but I suspect they were comfy and, and coming home and shuttle through all that, uh, man, it was, it was downright comfortable. Well, the capsule hits the water at only 15 miles an hour. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, right at 15 miles an hour, uh, thanks to those four big giant parachutes. Uh, so that's a pretty gentle splashdown. And, and the other thing we had going for us, yes, it was, it was like a swimming pool out there. I mean, the, the Gulf of Mexico was just totally flat, not a single wave, and the wind was calm. 
So that was about as good of a, of a splash line as you can get. We're talking with senior advisor for SpaceX, Garrett Reisman. Uh, the pet dinosaur was a huge hit. They brought on board. Who brought it? Bob or Doug? I, 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 you know, I think it was a joint decision by their kids, Jack and Theo. Okay. <laughs> they, they got together and like, oh, we'll give them this one. <laughs> I mean, all over social media. Uh, what happens when Bob and Doug come back to Earth? What's the protocol with the astronauts to get them back into their regular life? How does it work? Uh, well, when they come back, um, first of all, they've, they've been long-duration astronauts. We, we have to treat them like space station crew members, even though they're test pilots on this demonstration mission. Mm-hmm. So that means that they are—they're—they're—they're uh, they're, they're physically compromised. I mean, a lot of when you spend months up in space, a lot of weird things happen to your body. Uh, your vestibular system, your sense of balance is all messed up. Uh, your vision might be messed up. Um, you know, you—you—you have—if you, you stand up quickly, you can pass out because. Your, your cardiovascular system is compromised. Your blood volume is low. Anyway, there's lots of weird things that happen to you. And so the docs want to keep a close, a close eye on you for a while when you first come back. And they'll have, you know, daily checkups and, and, and also be doing uh, reconditioning with, with our physical fitness trainers to get their, their bone and muscle strength back to where it should be. Right. You don't even think about that. Bob and Doug were up there for 62 days. Tell me about the mission. What goes on on the space station? What are they doing on a daily basis? Well, that's the thing. They kind of did double duty because they were test pilots for the Dragon. But then when they got there, man, NASA really put them to work. <laughs> and that was that was part of the plan. That's why it was 62 days was that the space station was shorthanded. We only had one American up there, Chris Cassidy. And so they, they, they squeezed uh, every ounce of, of productivity they could out of Bob and Doug to make up for the slack. So Bob ended up doing four spacewalks, which, is, which was a lot for uh, a 10-month uh, increment like that. And, uh, and, and and Doug got to work uh, on the inside helping out, too. So there's lots of things that did maintenance, science activities, um, you know, upkeep of the space station. There's just, there's no shortage of work to be done up there. Tell me about the spacewalks. I mean, is it like, um, you know, is it strenuous? Is it nerve wracking? I know you're on edge because you're standing out there in space and just tethered and you're holding on. But what's it like? Doing a spacewalk is like one of the coolest things you can, and the best experiences you can have as an astronaut. Uh, it, there's nothing like it. It's hard to explain. And Bob and I both did our first spacewalk on, on the same mission back in 2008. Bob and I launched as rookies on uh, Endeavor Space Shuttle, and uh, we both ended up doing spacewalks on that mission for the first time. And I can tell you that when I went out there, it, it just it just blew me away. Um, you're floating free at the space station. You got nothing but this big fish bowl of a of a glass helmet between you and the Earth. Right. And uh, the view, the view is just indescribable. It's incredible. I mean, is it uh, when you're done? Is it like running a 5K? Are you tired? Are you rejuvenated? Uh, you, tell me, what was it like when you came back in? It's more like running a 500K. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's ab- uh. Because you're working hard out there. You're you're working really hard, and and. Um, and physically, it's extremely demanding. I, some of the best night's sleep I've ever had in my life are after each of my spacewalks. Really? Um, you, are, you are completely shot. You eat like a horse when you come back in, and yeah, you, you are spent. Um, <laughs> totally. After seeing Bob and Doug up there, do you miss it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a private mission. This is Elon Musk's thing. So do you think that you'll get a chance to go up there, or would you want to? Well, here's the thing. You know, I really hope that everybody has a chance to go up. And, and this does open up the door for that possibility. But that door is going to have a really expensive price tag on it. If mm-hmm. you want to go through it, you're gonna, you know, it, it, when we say this is the era of space tourism, 
uh, we're really talking for some, about some very wealthy individuals. I and mean, we're talking about price tags for orbital flights uh, in the orders of tens of millions of dollars. Um, and But, you know, there are suborbital flights available on Virgin Galactic and soon Blue Origin, a, a new ship will authorize a new shepherd for a couple hundred thousand. And even that sounds pretty astronomical, especially for a 15-minute ride. But I'll tell you that, that but this is just a start. When we started flying commercial airline service, the ticket prices were super high, and the only people who were able to go on those, you know, creaky old airline airplanes that flew from like Burbank to Las Vegas. You know, they were flying movie stars and millionaires, and they would dress in black tie to go. Yep. To it. And you know, today we have Southwest and JetBlue. Uh, I think space is going to be the same. It's just going to take time. Well, Elon Musk, that's what he says. He wants tourism in space. And how does that work? Do you have a space station for tourists, or you just take them up and bring them back? Well, yes to both. Um, So with Dragon, uh, there'll be opportunities. Right now, uh, uh, you could could book a ride on Dragon with a company called Space Adventures. It has uh, already... Uh, contracted with SpaceX to provide rides just around the Earth for, I think it's about a week or so. You go up around the Earth and, and uh, get all the views, and you stay in Dragon the whole time. But there's another company called Axiom Space that's working on building a commercial space station on the front of the International Space Station. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until their modules are ready, they're also working with SpaceX to offer rides up to the ISS. So you could go and do basically the same thing Bob and Doug did uh, just, by, just by buying a ticket, uh, you know, starting right now. How big is the International Space Station? It is huge. Uh, it is really hard to um, convey just how big it is. When I approached it in the space shuttle, which is not small, the space shuttle is like the size of a 737, uh, and as we approached the space station, it, it just swallowed up the space shuttle. It was kind of like that scene in, in Star Wars where like the Millennium Falcon is being pulled into the Death Star. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> this is why I love having huge. you on the show, because you paint a picture like that. that's what it felt like to me right well is it the space station is it a size of you know a 30 story hotel um you know it's more i I would uh, i know that the interior volume is about the same as a couple 747s so we're talking about that much pressure as i know a lot of it's full up of equipment and and science stuff and, and 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 all kinds of junk so you don't have you don't have quite that volume to play in, but it's huge. I mean, there are two different occasions where I was looking for one of my crewmates, and I started at the tip of the space station, went all the way to the tail, and uh, missed them. And it's so big you can lose people. I had to double back and try again because uh, they're in some nook and cranny. So it's it's like that big. Wow. And Garrett, it took us ten years to get Americans back in space. Why did it take so long? Well, you know, a, a couple of reasons. Uh, one is, you know, this was difficult. If you saw, uh, you know, all of us and everybody in the space expedition control room and uh, over at NASA with some white knuckles and, you know, uh, you know, you heard a lot of us talking in, in the news about, well, you know, this is this is hard. It is. It is hard. So doing it right and making sure we crossed all of our T's, dotted all of our I's and did everything we could to bring Bob and Doug back to their family safe like we did yesterday. Uh, that takes time. And, uh, you know, so it would have been great if we started earlier. Uh, and, and the other thing was that the, you know, the other thing was that in the very beginnings of this, people weren't sure that having a private company involved was a good idea. Right. And, and so this was kind of a political battle that went back and, and there were, a, a, you know, the predominant view about a decade ago was that we shouldn't be doing this, that, that we, that we should be spending money, uh, through traditional government programs 
and not going, not letting the private sector in. So it was starved of funds. You know, it was underfunded by Congress for many, many years uh, until the in, until uh, the the uh, about uh, I guess the middle of the Obama administration when they started getting really serious and and, and Congress uh, stepped up um, and and then and then they continued that funding through the, the last three years as well. So um, so that that kind of that kind of it was budget for budgetary reasons for you know also you know just uh, erring on the side of caution. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, even though it was a painful <clears throat> nine-year gap, uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's it's a blink of an eye. You know, uh, Elon Musk gets a lot of flack just because he's crazy smart and he does these weird things. But tell me, start to finish, how long did it take for Elon Musk to say, okay, we're going we're gonna to make a spaceship, we're going to send Americans up to space? How long from start to finish? Well, it depends. on. It's really hard to say exactly when we started. You know, the thing was, when he founded the company, was was a true start because that was a goal from the beginning. I mean, the very first dragon that went up into space carried nothing but a wheel of cheese. Yep. In, inside, <laughs> I remember and, that. Uh, but, yeah, right. <laughs> but but it had a window, mm-hmm. and and that cheese didn't need a window, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that was the statement. The, the statement was, "Hey, we're not here to fly cheese in space. We're here to fly people up into space." And so, really, the the goal was there. But I think we got we didn't get really serious about it until. Uh, and, and really, uh, really put effort into it of any significance until probably around 2011, when when we when we started our first partnership with NASA under the Commercial Crew Program. And even that was a low level of effort. That was a, that contract was worth only like a few tens of millions of dollars. So that was just some basic studies. But when we really got serious was uh, was a couple of years after that. So I'd say like as far as when we when we uh, got bigger and two two bigger contracts. And when we really got serious um, was uh, when we were in, the, in the, what was called the CCT cap contract, which I know sounds like somebody's login name or something. <laughs> NASA's terrible at, at giving good names to programs, but um, but I'm trying to remember exactly when that was, and I, I think it, that was somewhere around uh, 2014, maybe. Uh, so I, 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 I would give you a rough five years. Five years was when that when when we really were going all out trying to make this happen. That's pretty impressive, man. Garrett Reisman, Senior Advisor for SpaceX. Always great to have you on the show. Appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. It's always great to talk to you, Pete.